0: Uh, Good morning. My name is Brandon Lutz, and I am uh, one of the pastors here at Redeemer City. I specifically work with students. So again, please, if you are a parent or a student who is interested in going to Nicaragua this summer, uh, please stay. It'll just be about 10 minutes after the service. Maybe we'll, I think we'll probably just meet in here. It'll probably be easiest. It'll take about 10, 15 minutes. Hopefully, I can just give you a brief summary of what that trip is going to look like. If you are new to Redeemer, or if you've missed the last few weeks with us, we are currently going through a a sermon series on a very familiar passage, Psalm 23. I think we're taking about seven or eight weeks to dive into this passage and hear what God has for us. There's just so much in these six verses alone that God has for us. So this morning, we are looking at the first part of verse 4. And as we've been doing, we're going to stand and read aloud together these six verses in Psalm 23. So if you would, if you are able, please stand with me and let us read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Please be seated. Uh, Let me reread the the part of verse 4 that we'll be honing in on and just really focusing on this morning. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. As a teenager, this was one of my uh, favorite passages of Scripture. I would would read this this phrase, or these three phrases, and and I would really focus on the the first two parts, the first two phrases. I would think that I, Brandon Lutz, can walk through the valley of the shadow of death with no evil. My head held high, chin up, uh, chest out, and just kind of strutting through life. It doesn't matter what God's going to throw at me. I I can get through anything. I have no fear which as a, as a teenager just kind of reinforces the belief that you're untouchable, that you're invincible. Um, teenagers, you can't deny this. Parents, you all know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you will soon. You'll, but that's just a, a small glimpse of just the, the pride, the way that my heart works. And I would love to say this is gone as I'm far removed from my teenage years, but as you all know, the end of your teenage years does not mean the end of pride in our hearts. So I spent the last uh, week just really diving into this text and it's reminded me and it's taught me some some very fundamental beliefs and and convictions that I must hold on to. And I, I would even persuade you that we all must hold on to as Christians. This psalm is an argument as to why we need to trust God no matter what we go through. We live in an age of fear do you agree with that? We live in an age of fear. There is an article in the Rolling Stone magazine, I believe from October 2016, just a few months ago, that suggests that we live in an age of fear. Things like war, terrorism, financial distress, health insurance, Zika, hunger, poverty, there there's so many things, whether in our nation or across the globe, that, that can cause fear in our lives and in our hearts. And so the article asked this question, why are we so afraid in an age when we actually live in an age when it is more safe than it has ever been? Don't get me wrong, there, there are places in the world that are not safe to be, to be right now. But on, on a global scale, we are living in the safest time the world has ever known yet it is the most fearful time in the world. How does that make sense? The magazine suggests that we live in an age of fear because every one of us wants life, yet every one of us knows that we are going to die. Our life is going to end at a time we cannot predict and in a way that we cannot predict. You see, we know that our death is not in our control, and therefore we as mankind live in a state of fear. In Psalm 23, and specifically in verse 4, God is encouraging and and persuading and pleading with us to trust Him, even as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, even as we face things that cause the deepest fears in us. We have nothing to fear because our God has gone through the valleys before us, and our God goes through the valleys with us. So I want us to to walk through this passage by looking at the three different phrases. So as you can see in your outline, I think it's titled, The Valley. Uh, We're going to start by looking at the first phrase in Psalm Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So this is really different. This is really different from the the images that we've seen so far in Psalm 23. I mean, the shepherd, he's made us lie down in green pastures. The shepherd has led us beside still waters. He has led us on paths of righteousness. But now, now the shepherd is leading us towards and through the valley of the shadow of death. So, what is this guy thinking? What is the shepherd thinking? I mean, if, if, if we come to a fork in the road while traveling and a sign to the right reads, Green pastures and still waters this way. And when you look off in the distance, you see the meadows, you see the the green grass, you see the, the rivers, and it looks refreshing. It's a place you want to go to. And then when you look to the left, you see this dark, dreary path that quickly gets lost in the darkness of mountains and rocky terrain. Which path do you want to take? Probably not the path that has the word death in the title. There's something... There is something in all of us that, that is hardwired to avoid pain and suffering, to shy away from hard things. Yet this is the path that the shepherd has led us to in this song. And the shepherd is leading the sheep to high ground where there is fresh grass. But in order to get to the high ground, we have to go through the valleys. For sheep, valleys are not safe places to be. They're not safe places to be. In fact, they're very dangerous. The valley is described, as we think about this valley in this psalm, it's described as a path that is enclosed on both sides, whether it's mountain walls or rocky terrain. It it is a very narrow, dangerous, rocky path. There are caves. There, There are places for predators like wolves and lions to hide and wait for dumb, defenseless sheep. And another factor that makes valleys so treacherous is is natural disasters. Storms and flash floods could just quickly come upon it and just flood this valley, drowning most of the sheep. And lastly, another thing that makes valleys so dangerous is that there's very little light. The mountainsides, the rocky terrain, just the way that that this terrain works, there's just very little sunlight. Some even say that you only get sunlight in certain valleys for two to three hours a day. It's a very dark and dreary place. Basically, valleys are not safe places to be. They're very dangerous for many different reasons. And as we have said the last few weeks, Psalm 23 is a metaphor. We are the sheep. We're the dumb, defenseless sheep. And God is the shepherd who is leading us. Most of us, if not all of us, we don't want valleys in our lives. We're going to choose the right path if we have any say in it. You see, many of us have been in valleys before. We know how that makes us feel. We know what that's like. Life is full of troubles. Life is full of circumstances and sufferings that we don't like, we don't want to go through. There are times of of physical valleys like sickness and hunger and ultimately death. There are times of psychological and emotional valleys, feeling abandoned and lonely, feeling like no one understands what you're going through. There are times of spiritual valleys, doubting whether or not God is real, if He even exists, struggling to believe that He is good and that He is for you. We've all experienced valleys in in some way, shape, or form in our lives. Some of us are in the valley right now. And for the Christian, the, the valleys are a normal and expected part of our lives. You know we read, in, we read Isaiah 43 as our call to worship, and notice how it doesn't say if, but it starts with when, when you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you walk through the fire. There's no promise to believers of a carefree, trouble-free life. God doesn't say, come follow me, and I'm going to keep you safe from everything. Your life is going to be easy. Rather, he says, if you want to follow me, then you must take up your cross. If you want to follow me, then you must die to yourself and live for me and live for others. Are you surprised when you start walking through the valley of the shadow of death? What are you expecting out of life? Really, what are you expecting from God? According to John 16.33 and many other passages, suffering is a normal part of the Christian experience. Suffering comes in, in all amounts, all shapes, and all sizes. And a lot of times when we're going through them, we, we think that we must have made a mistake. We must have, have sinned or God is punishing us in some kind of way. But please hear this, the valley does not mean that you are off of the path of righteousness it very well may mean that you are on the path of righteousness. If you have not entered any valleys or if you have faced no tribulations or it seems to be very infrequent that we're we're walking through these things in our life, then there should be some kind of alarm going off in your heart. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a Christian man who lived during World War II. He was part of an underground seminary that was teaching and equipping pastors during Hitler's reign in Germany. He was also secretly trying to help Jews escape Nazi oppression. Bonhoeffer was walking through this valley. This was one of his valleys, which is a very dangerous valley that threatened to take his life if he were caught. At some point, some of his friends that didn't live in Germany, I think they lived in America at the time, they convinced him to leave Germany and come live with them in America. It's much It's much more safe. You need to get out of there. It's very dangerous where you are right now. And I think many of us, if not all of us, we would have listened to the voice of our friends. Because the fear of being caught would be so great, you would have heard, you would have seen, maybe even firsthand, what is going on to those who are captured. But it was not long before he realized that he had made a mistake. That he removed himself from the valley that God had called him to walk. He wrote a letter to his friend and said this, I've made a mistake in coming to America. I must live through this difficult period in our national history with the Christian people of Germany. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. So he goes back to Germany. He was eventually caught helping Jews escape and he was put in prison. He was in prison for about two years, and he was hanged uh, just under six months before the Nazis surrendered and the war was over. But before he died, he wrote many letters and teachings that God was revealing to him during those times of of trial and suffering. One of the things he wrote was this. It is not the religious act that makes the Christian, it is not the religious act that makes the Christian, but participation in the sufferings of God in this life. Participation in the sufferings of God in this life. Bonhoeffer walked through the valley. There was was a trust, there was a hope, there was a faith in him that even death could not shake. Valleys are to be expected and in some ways even longed for for believers. So when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there are many different ways we can respond. Uh, David is saying that he will fear no evil, which is also what the Christian can say in the valleys, I will fear no evil. So as we move on to point two, um, I'll say Psalm 23 is pleading with us to face fear in a very specific way. But before we unpack that, let's talk, let's first think about the, the many ways that we usually handle our fear. When you're going through a valley, how do you usually feel? again, if, if you have a hard time thinking about that, think about just the, the rough, dark, treacherous terrain that we described earlier. How do you usually feel when you're going through times of suffering? Maybe you feel overwhelmed, anxious, doubtful, fearful. When we go through these valleys, I would propose that, that we do one of these three sinful options. There's, there's more than just these three options, but these are kind of where I landed. We fight, or we fight. we're both kind of, everyone's probably pretty familiar with that thought, we fight or we flight, or we freeze. They all start with F, hopefully that helps. So we fight, or we flight, or we freeze. Fighting is when we decide to, to lead ourselves through the valley. I don't need to follow my shepherd, I don't need him, I can do this on my own. I don't need God's strength, I can do this on my own strength, I don't need God. That's fighting. Flighting, which I don't even know if that's a word or not. Um, we're just going to run with it. But it, It's one we would decide to, as quickly as possible, get out of the valley. We don't believe that God has led us here for a purpose, and it's very dangerous. We need to get out now. We need to get out fast. Freezing, um, I couldn't think of a fourth word that started with F. Freezing actually stands for Two. Um, But freezing is when we decide to completely ignore the fact that we're in a valley. You know, maybe if I'm I'm just still enough, quiet enough, and I don't move, the valley won't see me, and I won't see the valley. But another thing we can do when when we freeze is just sit down and just wallow in the valley. Woe is me. Life is so hard. This valley is the worst. God doesn't love me. God has abandoned me, that very Eeyore-ish type of response. So are we able to identify with any of these ways that we usually respond to fear, that we usually respond when we're walking through the valley? How do you typically respond? You may or may not have a certain tendency I can see in my life where I've done all of these things. um, But my tendency in, in general, a lot of times in these situations, is to fight because I want to believe, as I referenced in the beginning of the sermon, I want to believe that I can do hard things on my own. I believe, believe the lie that I can get through and lead myself through these valleys. The, the pride of my heart takes over me. The last few weeks I've been um, kind of captivated by this song that I first heard on the radio called Unsteady by a group called ex Ambassadors. You may or may not be familiar with the song, but what I love about the song is it's so different from most songs that I hear on the radio at least because I, I won't get on that platform. Um, what I love about the song is that the, the singer is, is crying out for someone to hold on to him because he's unsteady. He needs someone to hold, hold on to him and guide him because he is unsteady and he's shaky on his own. You see, my, my heart knows that, that even when I try to do things on my own, I, I feel shaky and I feel unsteady. It's just a matter of time before I fall if I'm not letting the shepherd lead me. So these responses, fighting, flighting, and freezing, it is, is not the response we see in Psalm 23. David writes, even though I walk. Even though I walk. He isn't running. He isn't sitting, he isn't freezing. The shepherd moves the flock through the valley at a gentle pace. He doesn't rush them or hurry them. There are some sheep, there are some lambs in his flock that have never been in this valley before. And that this, the metaphor of, of walking is used often in the Bible when it comes to trials and times of suffering. Walking through, through something that is difficult, dangerous, and potentially even fatal. In Psalm 23, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, which is another way of saying, walking through darkness. Walking through darkness. In Exodus 14 and Psalm 69, passing through the waters, making our way through the waters at a gentle pace. Jesus, throughout his ministry and, and his life, he seems to always be walking. He walks through the wilderness. He walks towards the widow of Nain. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus walks towards the man who's going to betray him and the men who are going to arrest him. He walks towards his own death. God's word over and over again tells us that suffering is something that we must walk through. And this is is so different. This is so different from other religions, other philosophies, other cultures, whether it's ancient or modern. Philip Keller, he's a guy who we've been, um, he was a shepherd and he wrote a book on what it means to be a shepherd and he wrote this. He writes that we are to meet and move through suffering without shock and surprise, without denial of our sorrow or weakness, without resentment or paralyzing fear, yet also without surrender or despair. Carson is my four-year-old son. He is a a mini-me, that's how you can tell he's my son. He looks just like me, same hairline and everything. Um, I hope for his sake that he is taller than me when he gets older. But right now he's in a daddy phase, and and so most nights I put Carson to bed. And I'm trying to really appreciate this because I know there's going to be a time where he's going to hate me and want nothing to do with me. The teenage years are coming. Uh, but, But we go through our routine, and I eventually leave his room. Sometimes he wants the light off in his room. Sometimes he wants it on. um, Flip of the coin, who knows what he's going to say that night. But a couple weeks ago, after putting him to bed and leaving his room, he wanted the light off, and about two minutes later, I hear a faint cry coming from his room. So I I go towards his room, and he's standing in the doorway, and he's softly crying. And and I ask him, Carson, what's wrong? He goes, Dada, I'm, I'm scared of the dark and ask him if, if he wants me to, to lay down with him while he falls asleep. So he, he quickly gets this, this four-year-old uh, smile on his face, wipes away his tears, grabs my hand, and we both lay down in the dark. Carson is, he's scared of the dark, but not if his daddy is with him. The same goes for us when we are in the valleys. We will have no fear because God is with us. And this takes us to the last phrase of Psalm 23:4 that we're going to look at. For you are with me. Philip Keller writes, Let come what may. Storms may break about me. Predators may attack. The rivers of problems may threaten to drown me. But because he is in the situation with me, I shall not fear. Can you actually say this? Can your heart actually say this? The only reason you can walk through the valleys is if you truly know and believe that God is with you. What is interesting is that God often uses walking through valleys to give us a a new understanding and a new reliance upon him. I briefly mentioned this in the beginning, but a shepherd has to lead his flock through the valleys to get to the fresh green pastures that are located on the higher ground. There are green pastures, there are still waters that are only, you can only get access to them if you walk through the valley first. So why is it, why is it that, that most Christians who have faced suffering, who have, who have gone through, through dark valleys, why is it that a lot of times these Christians are the ones to, who seem to be at peace? Why is it that they are the ones who seem to be at a walking pace through life? It's because they have gone through the darkness. They have listened to their shepherd's voice and they've been led to the high ground. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's a, a tier or a ladder, of, ladder system of Christianity in any way, but I am saying that God uses valleys in times of darkness to give our hearts a deeper understanding of who God is and a greater reliance on him. David, the the author of this psalm, he's had a personal experience of God's nearness to him in this very way. And we know this because throughout Psalm 23 so far, David constantly uses the pronoun he when referring to God. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul. But in verse 4, did you notice that the pronoun changes? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil For you are with me. David has faced trials. David has faced tribulations. And God has led him before. And David knows and trusts that God will lead him again through the valleys. God is with us. We sang this in a bunch of songs about a month ago through the Christmas season. So for the believer, you can live in the hope and with the trust that our God will never leave us or forsake us. Shepherds would... Would never take their sheep to a place where they have not been before. Shepherds would always go, go on ahead and they would scout out the area that they're about to travel, make their sheep travel with them. No matter what valleys you have gone through, no matter what valleys you are going through, no matter what you will go through, Jesus has gone ahead and he's walked that valley. Jesus' entire life is in the valley. He has walked through the physical valleys of life. He knows what it's like to long for food, to long for water. He's walked through pain and death, his own death and the loss of his friends. He wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Jesus walked through the psychological and emotional valleys. His friends deserted him when he needed them the most. His father abandoned him on the cross when he took upon himself the weight of the world's sin. He walked through the spiritual valleys. Satan tempted him in the wilderness. In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus began sweating blood at the thought of what he was walking towards. On the cross, he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus walked through the valley so that he could sympathize with us and to bring light into our darkness. Jesus walks through the valley of darkness so that we only have to walk through but a shadow of the darkness. The valley of the shadow of death has no power over us because Jesus walked through the valley of death ahead of us. So for the non-believers here this morning, I, I would plead with you, I would urge you to believe in Jesus and you will never go through a valley alone again. How many many valleys is it going to take? Believe in Jesus and he will be with you always. And for the believers, walk through the valley knowing and trusting that your shepherd is leading you. He has a purpose. You might not see it right now. He is leading us so that we can rely on him more and we can rely on ourselves less. Tim Keller writes, To to walk with God means day by day listening to him, hearing his word, as a sheep would learn to tune his heart to the shepherd. Pour your heart out to God in prayer. Give your life to the community God has placed you in. It's It's a great summary of just two practical applications for us today. First, spending time often in God's word is how we hear our shepherd's voice. Sometimes the valley is going to be too dark, and the only way, you're not going to be able to see your shepherd. The only way you're going to be able to hear him is by hearing his voice. Our church has a, a Bible reading plan that has been very encouraging to me, and please, we, we would recommend that you take part in that. Second, God has placed us in a community of sheep. There are sheep that are in a specific valley for the first time right now. If you have been in that valley before, then you can give comfort and strength to someone who is in that valley now. We are surrounded by people who have been through valleys that we are soon about to go through. We are surrounded by people who are new to valleys that we have already been through. There is probably someone in your life that needs you as they are in a valley right now. Philip Keller can probably say it better than I can. The person with a powerful confidence in Christ, the one who has proved by past experience that God is with him in adversity, the one who walks through life's dark valleys without fear, his head held high, is the one who in turn is a tower of strength and a source of inspiration to his companions because of their powerful confidence in Christ. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Christians, we have nothing to fear because our God has gone through the valleys before us, and our God is going through the valleys with us. Let's pray. Father, we read in Psalm 4 that you give us relief in our distress. You hear us when we call out to you and cry out to you. For we have a God who not only sits on his throne in heaven, but we also have a God who walks with us through the valleys. We confess that most of the time we we do anything but walk through the valley. We don't let you lead us. Father, continue the work that you have started in us. Continue to mold and shape our hearts so that no matter what valley we are going through, we can walk as we are being led by our good Shepherd. Father, there are, so, there, are, there are many among us today that, that are in the valley. We pray that they would hear your voice in the darkness. Give them peace even though they are in the darkness. Father, we pray as the disciples prayed. Increase our faith, increase our belief. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We go, and, and as we are sent, when um, I want to think about this. Psalm Psalm 23, 4, I'm thinking about the Great Commission, and just when Jesus goes and he he sends his disciples out, and he sends us out, he gives us the most intimidating, demanding task to do, and at the end he says, Behold, I am with you always. Behold, I will be with you forever. And so that's what this benediction is. It is a promise that God is with us no matter what we go through. Whatever we're going to go through, God has gone through it before us, and he will always be with us. So please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face towards you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen.